on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Two and two on Rob Refsnyder. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Eric Lauer comes back with the bases loaded and only one away. He strikes out Polanco and strikes. Now live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City in Milwaukee with Jerry Augustine. Here's Matt Foley. The Brewers just could not get much going from an offensive standpoint tonight. No runs. They get just five hits. End up losing 2 nothing. This game could easily still be going on. Uh, the Twins getting their two runs on a Josh Donaldson home run uh, after a play was not made at first base. So this could have been scoreless going to the bottom of the ninth. Instead, it turns into a 2 nothing loss for the crew. Welcome into Brewers Extra Innings. My name is Matt Pauley. Former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine will be with us coming up in just a few moments. We'll take you till midnight. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Coming up, we'll hear the post-game comments. The manager, Craig Council, will go back through the game with the highlights. And, of course, we'll hear from you. We'll hear from Augie. we got a lot to get to as the Brewers come up short, losing today to the Twins by a 2 nothing score. The news coming up in two minutes, and then we continue on with the program after that, this is Brewers Extra Innings. Two nothing Brewers fall short in Minnesota. The Twins welcome back into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line eight five five six one six one six twenty, or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air M A T T P A U L E Y on air. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine here as well. And Augie, this is one of those days where, for whatever reason, and again we'll, we'll talk about this more in a moment, facing left-handers seems to be a bugaboo for the Brewers. Uh, but they just could not get much done from an offensive standpoint tonight. Yeah, you look at what this club has done all year. They're just 15 and 14 against left-handers. But uh, that Andrew Elbers is really a great story. We know about eight, eight years ago when he came in, he pitched seven shutout innings or eight shutout innings for for the Twins, and now goes to then goes to Japan, comes and really does a a nice job tonight. I I think the thing he did so well tonight is he really commanded the strikes over well. He had eight ground balls, uh, didn't get behind a lot of hitters, and really kept the ball down. He threw a lot of good sinking fast. Fastballs away, and when he needed, he pitched on the inside part of part of the plate with his forcing fastball and his his cutter. So I thought he threw the ball very well. Just kept the Brewers off stride, and we just we just couldn't get anything going other than that fourth inning when he wiggled out of bases loaded. Got a text message from Doug, and I could have told you that Doug was going to send this text message, and this isn't me putting him down. I just I know what he's going to say, and he's and he's right. Uh, he said, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it until it changes. The hitting against left-handers could easily be their demise in the playoffs. Even with Escobar and Adamas in the lineup, they still have lineup problems against lefties. Have to see, I uh, hate to see the season end because of this, but it could. Um, yeah, I, I don't. It's. It's like they should be better against lefties, right, Augie? Like that's the bottom line. They should be better against left-handers. Well, that's one thing I think when you look at what David Stearns and Matt Arnold have been able to do is create balance in your lineup. And I think if you ask Craig Council, he said, "I'd love the balance we have in our lineup against a left-handed pitcher or a right-handed pitcher." And it just seems like you know it just goes back to the old adage, adage that you know you get certain guys that, especially left-hand pitchers with a good sinking fastball, if they can dominate the dominate the outside part of play, throw a change up here or there, and then keep you honest off the inside part of play. 
they can be tough to hit. And the one thing you usually have to do against a guy, especially a guy like Elvers, who throws that good sinking fastball away, you got to make him get the ball up. And sometimes, uh, and try to hit the ball up the middle in the opposite way. But boy, they look so good. And you get that sinker down in a good spot. You hit a ball, a lot of balls on the ground. He got eight ground balls tonight. And I thought he just did a nice job of commanding the strike zone and did a really nice job. And I do agree with you. I think left-hand pitchers, there's something about them. When they, when they get that good command and you don't make them get that ball up, they can cause you a lot of problems. I've said this over and over. I actually hope that they face as many left-handers as possible because yeah, this, the focus is so much upon being your best self going into the postseason. Well, you want to get this left-handed issue figured out, and the best way to maybe get it figured out is to face as many left-handers as possible. Well, I agree with you. I, I think if you look at what the playoffs would be today, they say they'd be playing against the Braves. So the Braves have a couple of really good left-handers. So I think I agree with you, Matt. I, I, the more left-handers they face in the next games that they play for the rest of the season can only help them. And, you know, you've got to fight yourself through it. Uh, I understand when you look at the number of games they faced right-handers or left-handers, there, it, it, there's a huge difference on it. But I, I think to get the guys more... Uh, at ease facing a left-hander I think is so important. There's a lot of good left-handed pitching in the big leagues. It's just that you've got to be able to f- face them on a number of times and get your lineup in a, in a position that you feel comfortable with. And I think that's great counsel. I think would agree with you. The more left-handers they face now would be, a, would be a good thing. And so we'll just have to wait and see what happens through the next couple of weeks. And to be fair, it's not every single time against left-handers. You know, in that Washington series, uh, when they faced Patrick Corbin, they struggled. But then when they faced Sean Nolan, another lefty, they did a really nice job against him. He only went four innings, giving up three runs on six hits. So we've seen some success against left-handers, but we're not seeing the sustained success. Again, the numbers this year, the, the numbers do not lie. The Brewers this year, uh, in games that are started by left-handers uh, against them, are 15-14 and 14 compared to a 63-37 and 37 record against right-hand starters. So yeah, 15 you know, Matt, and, yeah. Excuse me, man. I apologize. But, you know, you face these left-handers, and, and I think you would agree with me. Every time you face one of these lefties and they have good command of the ball down and away or have that good cutter on the inside part of play where they can command it and get ahead of hitters, it really causes the Brewers a lot of problem. Because when you, when you can throw those two pitches for strikes, now you elevate it. That really opens up that strike zone. And those where we have a, have a lot of problems. When we face uh, the, the kid from Washington, the lefty from uh, – I, th- I thought we did a nice job against him. Corbin was really good throwing the ball down the way, hard slider in, fastball up. But the, knowing that he – it just seemed like he was didn't have that good command, got the ball up, and the Brewers really took advantage of him. Augie, uh, yeah, I kind of speak from a place of ignorance when I say this because um, they haven't – Play, they, they have not had a lot of games against left-handed starters. Again, 15 and 14 against left-handed starters. The vast majority of their games have been against right-handers. Most people are right-handed. Uh, the NL Central for a very, very long time has been right-handed heavy. Uh, so they, they just don't face a lot of left-handers. I'll go back to something that was written by Will Salmon in The Athletic uh, a few weeks ago where he kind of he, he broke down... Um, what the Brewers were doing against non-fastballs. And one of the points he made uh, inside of his story was that 
it kind of took a little while for there to be enough data for them to really go and take a look at it and, and try to make changes. So that's why maybe for the first month, month and a half of the season, they struggled against uh, non-fastballs. And since then, t- that time, they've really excelled. Do you think in, in any way is this sort of the same thing, that there's just not as much data when it comes to what the Brewers want to do in terms of their approach when they're facing off against left-handers? I think that have, that might have something to do with it. I think anytime you face, anytime we have faced a good left-hander, it just seems like when we face that good left-hander that goes five or six or seven innings and really has that good command. And I always talk about the sinking fastball because that's uh, a big pitch for a left-hand and pitcher. And then you can dominate that inside. You can throw that that good four-seam fastball on the inside, and you can get that curveball down the zone. It just opens up the strike zone so much. That means when you elevate, it's very, very tough to, to lay off of. And that means you get a lot of strikeouts, you get a lot of swings and misses, you get a lot of pop-ups from balls that are way are, are high in the strike zone, either on the inside part of plate or away from you. And I think that's where I see the Brewers struggling this year more than anything. Can they make, can they resolve it? Yes. The big thing is when a guy has that good sinking fastball and gets those low strikes from umpires, they're very difficult to hit. you got to make them bring the ball up, and you've got to think back up the middle opposite because if you try to pull those pitches down and away, you're going to hit ground balls to short, a fly balls to left field, or even a fly ball to center field. you got to get that ball up in the zone where you can handle it, drive it back up the middle, drive it the opposite way in the gap. And I think that's what will cre- create success for this ball club as we go along. Hopefully they'll face enough left-handers to get enough work, see enough left-handers that throw the pitches like that, and they can get, they can get a good idea how they want to approach them. Brewers come up short. They lose to the Twins tonight by a 2-0 score. If you want to join us, you can do so. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. It is the Acunet Mortgage Talk text line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I thought Eric Lauer looked all right tonight. We'll get uh, Augie's take on him when we come back in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Come up short, they lose to Minnesota tonight by a 2-0 score in Game 1 of a three-game weekend series. Welcome back into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. I'm Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine alongside. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk at text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Augie, this game ends 2 nothing. Josh Donaldson hits that first inning home run. They could still be playing baseball, though, because right before that Donaldson home run, you saw Ref Snyder get aboard at first base. It's not ruled an error. It probably would have been a tough error, but that's a play that probably should have been made over at first base, uh, and, and that's just kind of the way things go. We didn't know it at that moment, but that play at first base where they don't get that third out of the inning, that turns into one of the biggest plays of this game. Yeah, it sure did, and I agree with you. I think it's a ball, a ball that probably could have been made, could have been made, and uh, it just, it, and it wasn't. And I tell you, when you talk about the next pitch, the first pitch that Josh Donaldson saw, a little cutter that was over the middle plate, he put a really good swing on it, drove the ball at the ballpark. But I agree with you. I think we could still be playing. It could be a nothing, nothing score, or someone could have scored, you know, without the uh, throughout the game. But uh, that was a huge play in the game, and it's funny how you think about early in the game how different plays mean so much but in tonight's game it meant a lot 
because it allowed Josh Donaldson to come to the plate and get that first pitch slider or first pitch cut over to the plate and hit the home run. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that I love about baseball is when in other sports you can go look at the box score and the box score always tells the story. And there absolutely are baseball games where the box score 100% tells the story. But this this is not one of them because part of the story is that Eric Lauer should have probably been out of that inning in the uh, in the first, but because it's not ruled an error, it just, you you know, on the box score, you don't know what kind of hit that is for uh, for, for Ref Snyder and, uh, and, and what leads to the Josh Donaldson home run. But this is... This is one where you look at it a little bit more and, and really see a big play that is not made, and it's those little type of plays. You know, again, we we're, we're putting so much focus, Augie, right now on this team being prepared for the postseason. I, I did Brewers Weekly last night, and, and one of the questions that I threw out to people was, "What concerns you the most?" And there's not a lot to be concerned about this team. They're they're one of the best teams in baseball. They are a legitimate World Series contender. But I had a couple people text in uh, during the show last night saying that uh, defensive mistakes or defensive miscues worry them. And this is a team that is very good at making the high-level defensive play. They make impact defensive plays over and over and over again. And that's that, that, that was not a routine play by any stretch of the mind. That would have been a really good defensive play. Sometimes the Brewers have a hard time making those routine plays when they do make a mistake. It seems to be more of the routine nature. But again, as, as we look at this team from through the, through the lens of a postseason, season team, that play at first base is a play that you want to see made in a postseason game. Yeah, you know, it's it's so amazing. I think, I think Matt, both you and I agree that there's certain plays when they happen in the game, it can be in the first inning, it can be in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. It really doesn't make any difference where you kind of go under that magnifying glass and you look at it and saying, yeah, defensively, we should have made that play. And, you know, we can't say enough about this club's defense throughout the year. They've been fantastic. I think they're a go-glove uh, feeling team up the middle. You can't get any better than they are when they have Lorenzo Kane and Bradley Jr. in center field. Uh, so, you know, this is just one of those unusual games where a, a play that you think could have been made, it could have been an error, and it, you, you, when the game ends the way it does, you put it under that magnifying glass, and it, it just had a lot to do with the outcome. And at the time that was done, you probably wouldn't think that. But, boy, when a game goes like that and you see the ball, though, he's pitched by Elbers. And I'll tell you what, the bullpen from Minnesota threw the ball very well tonight. Mm-hmm. They've been noted to give up a lot of runs. They've been struggling. And uh, they've grown more leads than anybody in baseball. So when you look at the, the way the game has gone, you don't think of a, think of about it that much early in the ball game. But it sure did pay off tonight. These type of series at this time of the year always scare me, Augie, because it's a it's a team that doesn't have a very good record. It's a team that had much higher expectations going into the year. Some people thought that Minnesota could potentially win that division. Certainly a lot of people thought that they're a team that could be uh, at least contending for a wild-card spot in the American League. They're not that. Uh, you, you get into the second half of the season, you're kind of out of it, but you're still largely who you are going to be outside of maybe players that you've traded off uh, because you've fallen out of contention. And we've seen this Minnesota team get some nice wins here over the last three weeks to a month. So you, you look at their record and see that they're not very good overall, but it's always teams like this. You know, Look what the Pirates have done since the All-Star break. The Pirates just keep, uh, outside of the Brewers, the Pirates just keep beating teams, and I kind of feel like Minnesota's got the ability to do the exact same thing. 
Yeah, you know, I, I look at the pirates, and you said it perfectly. We played the pirates, and I, I did, you know, we just kind of went right through them, and we played played them very, very tough, and we do it. But you look at some of the games now; every game, almost every game they play, they're in it for the, they're in the game. And I think Minnesota is the same style of ball club. Uh, they've got a really good offensive club. But yeah, the Nelson Cruz list last year when they had they won the major leagues in the most home runs. But this is a very good offensive ball club. It was just that they. They couldn't get the balancing of the pitching to go with the hitting. They tried to make a lot of different changes in the offseason. None of those those pitching changes that they made really panned out. They struggled there, and their bullpen has not has been very inconsistent. But I agree with you. You go into a team like Minnesota, and you t- I don't care what you say. We talk about this border battle that we talk so much about with Minnesota. But you can throw, to, you can throw where you are in the standings. You can throw the win-loss records out. When Minnesota and Milwaukee plays, most of these games are, are, are played pretty well. And, they, and they, they, each team goes after each team pretty, pretty well. And you, you just, it's amazing sometimes what you see. And tonight it was Minnesota pitching a, a gem against the Brewers. Who I would never think that they would shut out the Brewers. 2-0, the Brewers do get shut out. They lose to Minnesota tonight in game one of a three-game set. How about the Brewers pitching? Eric Lauer wasn't bad. The bullpen does a nice job. We'll discuss the uh, pitchy performance of the Brewers. We'll do that next. If you want to join us, you can call or text into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Brewers come up short. They lose to Minnesota 2-0. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Minnesota, welcome back into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine alongside. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk text line. You could tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Or on air excuse me. Uh, Ray in Illinois text in, says, uh, It seems to me that sometimes the Brewers play down to the level of their competition. For example, they couldn't beat Kansas the city this year the twins aren't very good and it seems they play down to their level what do you guys think uh ray if you would have sent this message last year or two years ago or three years ago i think in many ways i would have agreed with you i think the brewers have put that in their past now you're right about the kansas city thing but every team has that team that for whatever reason they just can't beat and this year for the brewers it was the royals Thankfully, the Royals are a team that they're not going to see in the postseason, so it really doesn't matter that they couldn't find a way to beat Kansas City. You go look at some of the bad teams that they have played recently. They had a series against Washington, took two out of three. Had a series against Pittsburgh, two out of three. Had the four-game series against Chicago, swept that series. Another series before that against Pittsburgh, two out of three. Another series against uh, Pittsburgh before that uh, took uh, two out of three. That is all since uh, the All-Star break. When you go back to uh, the, uh, the first half, of the season. Uh, they took three out of four from uh, from Pittsburgh. They swept through Colorado. They took two out of three from Arizona. Uh, they So I I just, I think the numbers speak here that the Brewers don't play down to competition. They just happen to not be especially good this year against Kansas City and, and Minnesota. Augie, when, when they opened up the year against the Twins to begin the season, they lost two of three to uh, start out the year. 
Yeah, it's just like I, I think I said before. It just seems like any time you the Twins and the Brewers play, you can throw you can throw out the the, the win loss records. It's always going to be entertaining. It's going to be a good baseball game. I even remember all the way back to when I was playing. We were all in the American League. But any time we played Minnesota, it had nothing to do with the win loss record or anything like that. It was just a very competitive series and games. And uh, no doubt, after you look at tonight, shutting out the Brewers uh, made it pretty special. And, uh, you know, you get those teams like that during the year, and you get those. We had this border battle with Minnesota each and every year. Those things are going to happen. But I agree with you, Matt. When you look at the way the Brewers have played against teams that are under five hundred, they've really done an outstanding job. Eric Lauer goes four and two thirds innings. His pitch count got him one hundred and two pitches through four and two thirds. That's the issue. If you really want to take uh, take you know any issue with his performance, it's that he allowed that pitch count to get up. He gives up the home run to Josh Donaldson. Donaldson hits a lot of home runs, and again, they probably shouldn't have even been in that spot. There was a play at first base that that's not made. Um, he, he takes the loss, but I, I I didn't think he pitched poorly, Augie. I didn't like the hundred and two pitches through four and two thirds, but outside of that, I'm pretty all right with the job he did tonight. Yeah, two things with with uh, Eric that tonight that I I thought the first two innings he could didn't have great command of all those pitches. I, he made mistakes. He gave up base hits. I think he gave up five base hits in the first two innings, and they weren't just like on a fastball. They weren't just on a changeup or a curveball. There's kind of a mixture of everything. When that happens, usually when you make a you give up a, a lot of hits in a short period of time, and you're making up with different pitches, it just means you don't have the good command. He I know. Throughout the game, he had five or six three-ball counts in the four and, uh, four and two-thirds innings that he pitched. But one thing we all see out of Eric, we see more ground balls. Tonight in the, in the four and two-thirds, we just saw two ground balls. Usually he's the kind of guy that really operates that outer half of the plate real well, gets a lot of ground balls with that slider he throws in on on hitters, and I thought he made some really good pitches tonight. But I agree with you. I thought he, after a second inning especially, I thought he threw the ball very well. And the bullpen. I mean, they just, this wasn't the, uh, the Boxberger Williams hater night. This is instead they go to Cousin Strickland and Norris. Uh, Strickland in his last appearance was not as good as he had been, uh, but he goes out. He looks pretty good. Cousins, uh, he had finally given up an earned run recently, but it seems like he's really locked back in. That's a, I, for me, Augie, I think that's a really good sign for Jake Cousins because, you know, like a Miguel Sanchez, he was really pitching well. And then all of a sudden he just kind of lost it, and he wasn't yeah. able to lock back in. Where not that Cousins has ever lost it, he hasn't. But when all of a sudden you're on that kind of run that he's on, when that run kind of ends, you do wonder how he's going to respond to it. And it really feels like you know he gets four outs today, and three of them are stri- strikeouts. Like it's, it's really starting to feel like this is even more real for Jake Cousins. And, you know, the one thing I like about Jake, Jake Cousins is what he started doing, what we're starting to see a little bit out of him now, Matt. He's able, he's got that great slider. We all know that the slider is a great pitch, and he can, he can throw it on two styles. He can throw that good sharp slider on the outside corner or that big sweeping slider. I thought tonight he did a nice job of throwing that slider backdooring it on the inside part of the plate, right on the, right on the edge of the inside part. That's an extremely tough pitch for a right-hand hitter to hit when you get it on that inside part and it's coming right off, uh, right at him, and then it goes right on to the outside, inside corner like that. I thought he did a great job with that. But I think when you talk about Jake Cousins, he's got the great slider, and, he's, and now he's starting to throw, that, throw it to both sides of the plate, which I think is really important. He's got to pitch with his fastball. And when he commands that fastball, he is extremely dangerous, and he's shown that. He's thrown the ball so well for the Brewers, and it's because he has that dominance. He can command the fastball, but
but now with the sliders, he throws them into the outside. But now that inside part of plate, uh, it'd be to outside to a lefty, inside to a righty, that can make it even better. And he threw the ball very well tonight. Last thing for you, Augie, how in the world can Major League Baseball look at Brian Gorman and think that this guy should be a Major League umpire? That was, of all the strike zones we've seen this year, that was absolutely one of the worst. There were there were egregious calls. You don't expect an umpire to be perfect, but there were just horrendous calls uh, on pitches that, uh, th- that were missed. I mean, that's, that's as bad as it gets. Yeah, you, you know, Matt, I always tell you, tell you when we're talking uh, before we go on and all that, I always tell you how much I hate that strike zone on TV. I just dislike it. I, I think it takes away from the human aspect of the game. But, uh, you know, even with that strike zone where it was tonight, those some of those balls weren't even close. Uh, the, yeah. the one of Lorenzo Cain, I, I, I just, I looked at it, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe he even called that a strike. But it is, uh, it's, it's amazing how one pitch that, you know, even Abacel Garcia, the pitch before he called him out was not a bad pitch. It looked like it was in the strike zone, and then that ball's above the strike zone. It's just these strike zones for umpires. I, I think when you got that strike zone on TV, sometimes it takes that human aspect away, and I just don't know if that, that bothers the umpires or how umpires actually feel about it because they get graded on the strike zone in that frame. And uh, sometimes you see umpires that, that struggle with the strike zone from the, right from the beginning of the game, and then there's sometimes you, you see them that, wow, what a great called game they call it really well but I uh, tonight was definitely a couple a couple pitches that really could have could have helped the Brewers there especially with base on balls and getting guys on base and maybe starting a rally late in the ball game yeah and it should be noted the TV strike zone I mean that's just a box that is placed there yeah. and the, the, the strike zone is based off the physical characteristics of the the batter so it doesn't adjust, you know, whether a player is sitting is six seven or five eleven. It doesn't change, and that is a problem. Uh, but you can go online afterwards and see umpire scorecards, and you can see the adjusted strike zones. So when pitches are really close, either high in the zone or low in the zone, Augie, I give umpires a little bit of credit. But when we're talking about inside pitches and outside pitches that's based off the width of the plate that's not based off the batter and a lot of what Gorman was missing today was inside or outside and that's where uh, the TV strike zone I think is uh, is is you know correct on the as far as the width I totally agree with you I, I agree especially on the inside I, I just remember while I played most of the umpires when you talk to them on the side or you ask them what kind of pitches that I call strikes and balls they said I'm tight on the inside I might give you a little bit on that outside part of play, but on the inside, I'm really tight. You better throw it in the strike zone. I'm not calling. We've seen it a lot this year, Matt, and I think you would agree with me. We see a lot of pitches, especially on that inside part of play, where it's at least a ball width on the inside part of play that are called strikes. I, I just think that that makes it impossible for a, for a hitter to swing the bat and put the bat on the ball. Yeah, you can't cover a strike zone that's uh, 25% wider than it's supposed Absolutely. to be. You, you just can't. 2 nothing Brewers come up short against Minnesota today. We'll get the post-game comments of manager Craig Council. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. 2-2 two two on Rob Refsnyder. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Eric Lauer comes back with the bases loaded and only one away. He strikes out Polanco and strikes out Refsnyder. Twins strand the bases loaded. 2-0. Brewers end up losing to the Twins tonight. Welcome back into Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. 
855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Manager Craig Council uh, met with the media just a little while ago, opened up his uh, post-game conversation talking about uh, the Brewers' struggles tonight against uh, Minnesota Twins starter Andrew Albers. No, I don't think... uh... You know, Albert surprised us with anything. He he just he kind of got through the first first uh, got through the lineup once relatively easy, and you know we really only had one rally against him, and um, unfortunately that ended up in a hard hit ball at somebody, but we didn't put enough pressure on him uh, throughout the night. Hey Craig, it seemed like there was a lot of like hard hard contact, but not. Yeah, I think you guys only had like five strikeouts for the first seven or something like that. Was that just one of those nights where it was that kind of luck for you guys? Or yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we we had some hard contact. We didn't drive anything, you know. We no no extra base hits really. Um, so you know, we we did have some hard contact. It was spaced out. Like I said, the the one um, you know opportunity we had a hard hit ball that, that would have scored two probably, but. Um, Overall, not enough, you know, and not just against the starter. The Twins put a lot of pressure on Eric early. What did you think of how he was able to get through his night? Yeah, I mean, they, 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 you know, they swung the bats really well early. There was a bunch of hard contact. Um, Eric did a really nice job to get through the second inning. Um, you know, a big strikeout of Polanco, and then big, and then getting Ref Snyder. So that was he did a nice job there. We got probably put a little fortunate there, and then and then he um, settled in pretty good. Um, but they made him work. His stuff was really good tonight. Fastball velocity was was excellent. Probably maybe one of his best of the year. So, um, but they did a nice job with some balls at the top of the zone, and, and you know we left the they left the cutter to over a little bit over the plate to to a good hitter, and that cost us, but. You know, overall, we, we kept runs off the board. Craig, you said you said that they made him work a little bit. Uh, 102 pitches was a season high for him. Uh, is that just a good sign, you know, coming off his last two where they've been a little bit shorter? Yeah, I mean, Eric was, um, you know, he, he was had a the COVID issue, so we, you know, protected him a little bit first time out, but uh, I, th- I thought his stuff responded really well this time, and he pitched, I thought he felt fresh. Um, you know, that, that, they did a good job, like I said, with some balls up, but he's fully stretched out now, and, um, you know, unfortunately, they just made him work, so he didn't get many outs with those uh, 100 pitches. Craig, that projection um, for Avi at the end of the game, was that kind of a culmination of the evening for you guys with the uh, home plate umpire? Well, I mean, it was, again, it was, um, it was just a big spot and a missed call. Um, so, that, you know, obviously having a good at bat, he got that bat to 3-2 at that point. And, it, you know, there's frustration when you miss a call on a, 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 in a spot like that. Um, and he, he missed one badly in the ninth inning again uh, against Lorenzo. So, you know, those, when the, the, you know, I don't think you expect umps to be perfect. I think as we get to the bigger spots, you expect the we we, we hope that you know we, we get real locked in for those spots. Not to put 
too much pressure on Willie, but is it going to be nice if you can get him back in there tomorrow to kind of lengthen out that lineup a little bit more? Yeah, we'll, we'll work Willie out tomorrow afternoon and then see how it goes, and if it goes well, he'll be in the lineup. Yeah, it's amazing how much, uh, you know, the lineup depth, that's a, that's a term that we've used a lot this year. When, when Adamus is not in the lineup, it just doesn't feel the same. He is such an important part of what this team does. And it, when he's in the lineup, it almost feels like there's no holes. And when he's not in the lineup, it feels like there's multiple holes. Now there's there's guys who are not performing especially well. Rowdy Telez is in a uh, he's in a pretty big slump right now. He did have a hit tonight. He goes one for four, uh, but he certainly is not hitting for power. And, and this has been a, a prolonged slump for him. Uh, Manny Pena goes zero for two today, although he's been swinging it pretty well recently. Jace Peterson was zero for three. There's a lot of overs when you do, when you get shut out. There's going to be a lot of guys who don't uh, come up with hits. Brewers still need to figure out production at first base. So that's the that, that is a question mark right now. You hope you can get it out of Eduardo Escobar, but you also hope that Escobar can be uh, good enough defensively there. You hope that Rowdy Telez can turn it around. You hope that Daniel Vogelback can eventually return and maybe provide something. But at the moment, the Brewers are, uh, once again, not getting a ton of production from the first base position. All right, one more break. We'll come back, and uh, we'll go back through the game with the highlights. The Brewers come up short against the Twins. Final score, 2 nothing. Our highlight segment is next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Buckle up. It's time for tonight's highlights. Oh, what a catch. Jumps. He caught it. Get up. Get out of here. Go. And now here's Matt Pauley. 2-0. Brewers come up short. They lose to the Twins starting pitching matchup. Eric Lauer going for the crew. Andrew Alber starting for the Twins. It would be the Twins who would strike first. It looked like it was going to be a pretty innocent inning as Eric Lauer in the first uh, retires the first two batters he faces. And then Rob Refsnyder comes to the plate. Brewers fans just hanging out in Minneapolis too as Telez gets to it. Lauer trying to cover first and he's late. Telez an easy play. But Eric Lauer was late covering the first base bag, and Rob Refsnyder is going to end up more than likely with a base hit. Yeah, it was ruled a base hit, a play that should have been made by the Brewers, and turns out that's one of the biggest plays in the game because the next hitter, Josh Donaldson, does this. Now they deliver to Donaldson, and he rips it to left. Does it have enough height? It does. A two-run home run for Josh Donaldson, and just like that, it's 2-0 Twins. Little did we know at the time that was going to end up being the final score. The Twins tried to make a little bit of noise in the second inning as uh, they would end up loading the bases with just one out, and that's when Eric Lauer was able to really lock in, facing off against Jorge Polanco. Here comes the 2-2 to Jorge Polanco. Struck him out looking. Caught her on the inside edge, and Polanco couldn't pull the trigger. Third strikeout for Lauer. That's the important out. When you got that runner on at third and less than two outs, you need to get that strikeout. He does it, but it doesn't mean much unless you can't get the third out. He does against Rob Refsnyder. Two and two on Rob Refsnyder. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Eric Lauer comes back with the bases loaded and only one away. He strikes out Polanco and strikes out Refsnyder. Twins strand the bases loaded. Brewers would make a little bit of noise in the fourth inning. Christian Yelich would get a base hit. Roddy Telez would get a single. And Manny Pena would get hit by a pitch. So they load the bases. And with two outs, Jace Peterson is standing in. 
The 0-1 pitch, and it's a line drive back up the middle, but it's going to be right into the glove of Simmons. Who takes it to the second base bag and takes care of Pena, and the inning is over. Pitch count was escalating for Eric Lauer going into the fifth inning as he was trying to complete five. He would get Jorge Polanco to fly out, and then once again, it is Ref Snyder at the plate. 2-2 pitch. Ref Snyder swings and misses at the cutter. Sixth strikeout for Eric Lauer. Another Akinet Mortgage Rock Solid strikeout. Turns out that would be the final out recorded by Lauer because he would walk Josh Donaldson, and uh, that would bring on Jake Cousins. Cousins would face off against Miguel Sano. 0-2 on Sano. Cousins sets and throws. Slider struck him out. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Another Akinet Mortgage Rock Solid strikeout. Gets Cousins out of the jam in the fifth. Twins would make a little bit of noise in the sixth inning. As with one out, Max Kepler would get a base hit, and then he would steal second. So he's on, and Andrelton Simmons is at the plate. 2-1 on Simmons. Swing a ground ball left side. Diving stab. Urias throw to first. Not going to be in time, but he just saved a run. Simmons, a two-hit game, but Urias able to knock that ball down. Yeah, great defensive play by Urias. That forces Kepler to stay at third. And then with two outs, uh, Max, excuse me, uh, Byron Buxton is at the plate. Two strikes. Cousins sets, lifts, and deals. Strike three called. Fastball at 95 on the inside corner. And Buxton gets caught looking. Banking at Mortgage Rock, solid strikeout. Gets Cousins out of the inning. Twin strand, two more on base. Still 2-0 as we move along to the bottom of the seventh inning. Hunter Strickland, the new pitcher for the Brewers, would get the first two batters that he faces, but then issues a two-out walk to Josh Donaldson, and that brings up the always dangerous Miguel Sano. Strickland kicks and the pitch, and he went around that time. It's a strikeout of Sano, and the inning is over. And that's a zero from Hunter Strickland in the bottom of the seventh. We go to the eighth. It's 2-0 twin. Yeah, and the Brewers are trying to make a little bit of noise in the eighth. Once again, Colton Wong would lead the inning off with a uh, base hit. But after the next two outs are recorded, uh, Tyler Duffy comes in to pitch, and he's facing off against Avisayo Garcia. Two and two now. Here it is. Slider got him. That was up in the zone and a makeup call, and Avi Garcia is fit to be tied, and he's got every reason to be so. Last pitch was probably a strike. That one was not. So Garcia just got tossed. And Craig Council is now trying to defend Avi Garcia and Brian Gorman with as lazy a toss out as I've seen. And Avi Garcia just keeps pointing at Brian Gorman. Yeah, just a horrible, inconsistent zone from Gorman tonight. You don't like to see. It's not why the Brewers lost, but it's bad for baseball when that kind of uh, strike zone is being called by an umpire. So it remains a 2 nothing game in the eighth inning. Uh, Daniel Norris comes on to pitch for the Brewers, and uh, he would get out of things as uh, there would be a runner on. He's uh, facing off against Williams Asti, uh, excuse me, Astidio, and uh, he would get out of it with a double play. Norris coming back. Ground ball hit towards the middle. Wong will field it. Tag the runner. Throw to first. Double play. 4-3 it goes. And it's an inning-ending double play. 
Yeah, so the double play off the bat of Astudio, and that sends it to the ninth inning, where the new pitcher is Alex Colome for the Twins. He would strike out Lorenzo Kane again, a horrendous strike zone during the Kane at bat. Rowdy Telez would then strike out. At that point, Omar Narvaez comes up as a pinch hitter. 0-1 coming from Colome. Swinging a high fly center field. Buxton has a beat on it. Just short of the warning track. Makes the catch. And this one is over. The Twins take game one of this three-game series by a 2-0 final. With the win, the Twins go to 56 and 72. The Brewers drop to 78 and 51. Winning totals for Minnesota: two runs, eight hits, no errors. They leave nine for the Brewers. No runs, five hits, no errors. They leave seven. Winning pitcher Albers, he's one and zero. The loss to Lauer, he's four and five. Colome gets the save. It is his eighth of the year. One home run. Josh Donaldson hitting his 20th. The game lasting three hours and 22 minutes. Played in front of a crowd of 20,280 folks at Target Field. Brewers lose two nothing. We'll come back. We'll preview game two of the series, get you some scores from around baseball as well. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Norris coming back. Brown ball hit towards the middle. Wong will field it. Tag the runner. Throw to first. Double play. 4-3 it goes. And it's an inning-ending double play. Starting to wrap things up on this edition of Brewers Extra Innings after the Brewers lose to the Twins by a 2-0 score going around the NL Central. Cardinals hold off the Pirates today by a 4-3 score. Jay Happ, someone who was with the Twins just a few weeks ago, he goes 5-2 and thirds for St. Louis, giving up two runs on three hits, four strikeouts, three walks. He picks up the win as he goes to 8-6 and six on the year. Tommy Edmond hit a home run. Paul Goldschmidt had a double and a triple for St. Louis. Reds win again. They shut out the Marlins by a 6 nothing score. Wade Miley was on the mound. Seven shutout innings, giving up just hits. Uh, six hits, five strikeouts, one walk. He uh, now goes to 11-4 and four with a 2.74 ERA. And uh, a crazy one for the Cubs tonight. They got up 6 nothing in the first inning, and then the White Sox would end up uh, going on a, what, a 13? run run essentially and then the Cubs would start scoring some run when all was said and done the White Sox win 17-13 and the Cubs blow a 6-0 lead so as we do take a look at the standings right now in the National League Central with the Brewers losing and the Reds winning the Brewers lead in the division it is down to 7.5 the Cardinals sitting at 12 back as far as the wild card race goes the Reds continue to have a two game lead on the Padres for that final wild card spot in the National League. The Padres did win their game tonight, but the Padres are just 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Cardinals are still kind of hanging around there in the uh, wild card race. They are four and a half games back of the Reds. Again, the Dodgers have an 11 game lead uh, for that top wild card spot, so it's going to be either the Dodgers or the Giants that are going to get the top wild card spot, depending on who comes up second in the National League West. Right now, the Giants lead the Dodgers by two games in the division. Brewers and Twins will play game two of the three game set coming up tomorrow. The pitching matchup, Adrian Hauser is going to go for the crew. The right-hander will come in with a 7-5 and record, a 3.44 ERA. Charlie Barnes is set to get the start uh, for the Twins. The lefty is 0-3. Excuse me, uh, let's do that. Yeah, no, I got that right. The lefty is uh, 0-3 with a 6.56 ERA. So back-to-back left-handers that the Brewers will be facing. We'll see if they do better tomorrow. 6-10 first pitch. Our coverage is going to begin immediately following Packers football. So the Packers are going to wrap up uh, 
the preseason with a game against the Bills tomorrow. That game's going to kick at noon. Our coverage is going to begin at 9 o'clock. And then once uh, Packers post game ends, we will join the Brewers. And I'll talk to you after the game for Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ.